everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Macabre Masters. Um, this is the second one. The first one was on the ring. Um, and we made the joke of like, hey, we sh- you sh- Nick should watch Hereditary in between. And then I was like, oh, the next episode. So that's what we did is I watched Hereditary. And um, <laughs> Noah watched it again. And then uh, sure Pope did. did uh, we were just doing it from memory. Um, like I was, we, so... Uh, a little behind the scenes. This is a cursed episode. Uh, this is like bit. the fifth time we tried to record it. Uh, yesterday, my PC just was having a lot of problems. Now, all of a sudden, we got it going. So, <laughs> it's cursed. Um, I had, I mean, I can tell you my personal experience uh, before we talk about the movie, if you really, really want to. <laughs> so, uh, let me say this. Um, King Payman, mm-hmm. please bless this episode. Okay, we're not going to talk shit. I promise, my brother. I promise. We have no ill intent. Okay. No ill intent whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Um, and of course, so I what I do think it would be a good way to start is just to kind of talk about a little bit what the movie is about. So for anybody listening, do know that this is a full spoiler podcast. Mm-hmm. We are not holding back. It is full spoiler. So if you intend to go see the movie then uh, it's on Amazon Prime for free. So go watch it and then come back and check us out. Just make sure you check us out at some point. And with that said, make sure to like, subscribe, and do all that other good stuff uh, because I need external validation in order to feel (laughs) like my life is worth living. Now, with that said, (laughs) with that said, um, Hereditary is a a horror movie and it is about... um, it doesn't exactly reveal in the beginning of the movie what it's about, but what it's about is a family that worships the demon King Payment. And uh, so what happens throughout the movie is that King Payment is essentially utilizing this family's members in order to progress his attempts at coming to Earth mm-hmm. and becoming a part of Earth. And so uh, in order to achieve that end, uh, you have demonic possession of people you have uh, you have scary visions happening to people. A little girl dies. Um, her big brother dies, but he is resurrected as King Payment, essentially. Um, and then there's also naked people standing around smiling who are members of the <laughs> cult of Payment. Um, I don't know where that idea comes from. I don't I don't really know, like, if uh, nudity is a huge thing when it comes to demonic worship. But um I do know it makes for very creepy visuals. And so how the movie ends up going is that payment does come to earth. Mm-hmm. He comes to earth and um, in the, in the um, kind of body of the big brother and basically everyone else dies in yep. the movie. Um, it's a very scary movie. It's a very creepy movie. And I think it's a movie that really sticks with you. Um, especially because of some of the really, really wonderful performances mm-hmm. by some of the actors who just, I mean, especially the mother. The mother yeah, just blew it out of the sure. water. Mm-hmm. When she found Charlie's body, like, just, God. I got you know, instant chills. Um, that, was, that was one of the scenes. There's, like, three scenes that really stuck with me. Um, this is the day after I watched it. So it's been sticking with me all through, um, all day and all last night. Hmm. Yeah. I- so... He- Oh, let's go into that. Actually, let's delve into that. What about we all like the film? We were all creeped out by the film. What about it stuck with you? And let's let's start with Noah. I think one of the things 
I realize I noticed it upon the first watch because this is my second time watching it uh, was for the for the show. And I noticed that one thing that I really it really stuck with me was how and this is more from like a filmmaking perspective, but um, how they really kind of utilize they, they really knew what they needed to show and what they needed to not show. So at the beginning or it, towards the, you know, after Charlie um, gets unfortunately decapitated, the mother comes down in the next morning and finds the body. But the son is is lying on his bed because he was driving the car when it happened. He's kind of responsible for, unfortunately, for for Charlie's death. And he's lying on his bed and you just hear her kind of talking about how she needs to go to the store and you just kind of hear it happening. And then you just hear her screaming and you never see her find the body um, and you never actually really see the body, but they know that like, it's so it's almost I, a lot of films. They say like show don't tell. So you kind of show everything that's happening. You don't say no exposition or whatnot, but they did a, such a fantastic job of like, it, it's almost more dreading, like more dreadful, more, you know, it fills you with more dread that because you you know what's going to happen, but you know you're not going to see it. And you just like anticipating her reaction. You don't know how she's going to react. And it's just, it's so well, powerful. Um, and then, one oh, of, go ahead. I was just going to say that one of the ways that scene's actually freaky the first time you watch the movie is that when it does that scene, it, it doesn't tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. You see, you see the big brother um, look into the back seat. You do, it's all covered in shadow. You do not see it. Mm-hmm. All you know is that he drove close to the thing. Her head was sticking out of the window mm-hmm. because she had an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to get some air and he was high as fuck. And so you know that, you know that you heard a sound of an impact. Mm-hmm. You never see her body. Yeah. And so the funny thing is, is when the mother finds out is actually the first time the audience finds out. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because she goes out there, freaks out. Mm -hmm. The brother was lying awake in bed. Mm -hmm. And when you watch it, you're kind of thinking like, why did he do that? Like he didn't check her on her. He didn't go back there. He didn't look to see if she was alive. And the reason is because he is a character saw and he basically is shattered. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, if your little sister, you saw her decapitated body in your backseat and it was your fucking fault, like you would be shattered. Oh, yeah. And so um, he was completely broken by it. And then you don't even know. You hear her go out and discover the body and you don't know until it does the scene, the infamous flash to the head on the side of the road Mm -hmm. with the ants eating it, which is one of the most horrific images I've ever seen in a film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why that's effective, but Noah, please continue. Oh, no, I was just going to give another example, but like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like I, I kind of forgot cause I was watching it for the second time. So I kind of forgot, I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. So I knew, so all the kind of beats that, that took place that someone would typically be shocked by, I kind of, you know, forgot cause I watched the movie like two years ago. Um, so it's, I'm, thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's absolutely hundred percent the reason why it's so effective, but another kind of another instance of that at the end is when the mother's possessed, um, by something, I don't know if it's King payment or what, and, it uh, does. she it has, Oh really? Okay. Uh, and she is hanging herself on the ceiling and she's using a rope to saw her own neck off and you see it happening, 
they show you just enough so you get the idea of what's happening, but then it cuts away and you just hear it happening and the sun jumps out the, the attic door or the attic window and you just hear it happening the <laughs> and then like a split second and then a thump she falls and so they don't have to tell you that she fell you can just hear it you know and it's just it, it's they did a really great job and i think that's like it's one of those things where you know they don't want to show you the monster in the monster movies because it's too, too you know because they want to keep that reveal for later it's not necessarily that it's just like you knowing what's happening but not seeing it and like having to you the only re the only like sense you can tell about what's going to happen is the is hearing it is i don't know it's just really effective and it's just it works really well but that's what stuck I to, mean, with you, me the second time you never see payment mm -mm. payment is yeah. represented as a ball of light mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what i mean and yeah. so that's the freakiest ball of light i've ever seen in my oh life my God, yeah interesting fact after i saw that movie I was um, actually uh, I was staying in an apartment complex and um, I spent a long time being freaked out by it. And um, I, I remember one night I was staying up and I was working on a design for Beetle Milk and we had um, and there was no lights outside of our apartment. Like it, there was no street lights, And I saw a flashing light. Oh, boy. And I lost it. Mm -hmm. I was like, OK, you know what? I'm done here. Going to bed. <laughs> See you later. Peace out. Oh my God. Uh, and I'm the you just you gotta like appreciate anything that would make you get freaked out by a flash of light. Mm -hmm. Like it's insane. So Nick, what stuck with you, man? Well, obviously it was I actually shed a tear whenever Charlie uh hit the pole. I only have I have one younger sister uh, who's two years younger than me. So like in that moment, I it it flashed to me seeing my sister, um, her head. And it was really scary. Um, the that was really and the screams of anguish from the mom, uh, from the Annie character. That was that's what stuck with me the most was the the when when Peter hit the pole, uh, and it goes silent. The sound design is really great. The sign it just goes silent, and he just says, "Are you okay?" And then he drives on. We know that she just got decapitated we just saw what happened it was horrifying um the silence and then the screams of anguish um that's what stuck with me the most and then obviously the one scene um where she's cutting her neck open or sawing with is i think it's piano wire something they uh insinuated something they showed like the piano earlier that it's flipped over and busted open so it's just like piano wire um and to be completely honest with you, so this we tried to record last night after I had just finished the movie, um, but today is the day after, and I have not slept. I, <laughs> you can ask them. I was in our uh, Discord uh, chat like, hey guys, uh, I can't sleep. I went to bed at five forty-five and woke up at six. <laughs> so I've been every time I would close my eyes, I would just see Annie there, uh, sawing her head off. It's Ugh. tremendously. Such it's. It's just the it's just the perfect length to where it's not overdone and it's not so fast where you're like, wait, what was that? No, he hangs on it for just a second and then you're out. And it's like <laughs> the they way don't focus this on, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. I was no, gonna I was say the director is super great on like when to show it and then he's done. He's like, mm -hmm. You saw it, you're done. But and it's not mm -hmm. like a jump scare. There's not a lot of jump scares in the movie. It hangs on and then you're gone. There are some jump scares though, the freaking clicks. 
Dude, that that second click when the mom was in the car, or like I don't know if it was the first oh or my second God. one. Anytime yeah, the click happens and Charlie yeah. is dead, yeah, you're like, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> like it's that's supposed the... to be. From oh what God. I've read, it's supposed to be a signifier of the presence of. Um, I already forgot his name. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't. Payment, yes. So it's supposed to be the signifier that payment is in the presence, because even Peter does it. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever he gets. Uh, his arm twisted back and busted his face. He does the click. Um, So it's supposed to be like, uh, that's the, the signifier that payment is there in that moment. Mm -hmm. The, um, for me, the really, the, all of that stuff's really freaky. And there's more in the thing that's really freaky too. But really, I I told you guys yesterday, the thing Mm -hmm. about the movie that like really, so the thing about a lot of movies, I think, and, um, it's the ring kind of acted like they were going to do it and then went back on it. So that's kind of awesome. But the thing about a lot of movies is they give you a happy ending so that you can walk out of it and not have to watch Powerpuff Girls episodes for the rest of the night in order to feel okay. <laughs> um, this one didn't, this one never let off. Once it started, it just never let off the whole movie. And um, it really, I would say it started with the girl's head. Once yes. that happened, the movie just went, it went from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. and stayed there just gunning the gas mm-hmm. And so the part that really freaked me out was actually the very, very end because uh, Peter, that's his name, the big brother. I think so. He dies. And then you see the ball of light, which is payment. You see the ball of light enter him. He gets up. He is alive and he's looking around with brand new eyes. You know what I mean? He sees through eyes and um, he goes up into this. I think it was a tree house Mm -hmm. and he goes up in there. And there are the cult of payment is there waiting for him, including a dead body. Uh, and they're all bowing down. And in the front is Charlie's head mounted and then a crown on it mm. as a representative of him. And so the thing about it is, is that sounds pretty creepy. But what makes it even more creepy is a that payment is looking around and he's just got these brand new eyes. Like the guy who played him did a wonderful job mm, of just yeah, playing absolutely. like like a kid looking in a candy store for the first time. He doesn't know what he's looking at. And then also the music and the lighting and the music is very pretty and very mm-hmm. interesting. And um, the lighting is very interesting too, because it's a tree house. And so all of this combined makes it deeply, deeply, deeply unsettling. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot about the movie that's deeply unsettling and freaks me out. But that part right there, every time I think about that corpse, the corpse is decomposing. Like it's, yeah. it's like, I think it's the grandma's corpse. The grandma where she's- And it's headless. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's it's a decapitated corpse bent over. And I'm on video, so you guys can are going to be able to see this. Um, but it's bent over like it's praying to Mecca. And it's just like, how? Mm. How did the corpse even get there? Yeah, because you know Annie, what I mean? after she cut her head off, the body just- it, we just we see it on camera. She she just like her headless corpse just goes up into the treehouse with no assistance. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's a weird scene. Uh, it was really interesting. You mentioned the music, though. So uh, when I um, when we had the problem, I went back and I actually purchased an e-reader version of the Lester Key of Solomon. So there's payment symbol. That's actually this is the actual book. But digital version, when you talk about the music, 
It says, there goeth before him also an host of spirits, like men with trumpets and well-sounding cymbals and other sorts of musical instruments. So in some other texts, they say it's like random cymbals that sound like trash up until he gets next to you. So if you notice in the movie, I didn't realize it until I started reading the text, uh, throughout the movie, whenever there's like a scary chase scene happening, it's just a bunch of random trumpets, like a bunch of random instruments. And then at the very end, when he's there in the presence of everyone there, then the music is all the, all of a sudden settled down. That is amazing. So they went, they went deep in with their, um, with their demonology. They didn't go into, uh, another thing. There is one thing where if you conjure up, uh, payment, there is a possibility you can get two others that ride with him. So there's a possibility you could conjure three. Just depends if they have other demonly duties from, uh, one of the videos that I was reading, watching that's like, if they have other demonly duties. You're probably not going to get these other two. <laughs> um, just you know, Noah, you had frozen, but we see you now. Or at least I see you. Good. I do. Yeah, it's good. I um, was having internet issues. So one thing. Uh, so one thing we should do real quick is just kind of go into that a little bit. So the book that Nick referenced is called The Lesser Key of Solomon. It's also known as the Ars Goetia. It is um, one of the kind of definitive guides on summoning demons and the personalities of demons and the positions of demons in hell. It's not the only one. There's also uh, the Dictionary Infernal is another one. There's there's a few of them. Um, and so King Payman is listed as, and now understand that these texts are people, like there are people that literally do worship demons. And um, now when they worship demons, it's more of an aspect of themselves type thing. It's not really mm -hmm. um, a sentient being like they portray Payman as in the movie. Um, but with that said, Payman is a demon that is worshipped in real life. And I actually have a, my, I have a demon tarot. I mean, of course I do. Um, and that's what, that's what Payman's supposed to look like right there, guys. Riding a camel. So. The guy on the camel. <laughs> yeah. And so like, um, what Nick's referring to is actual legitimate demonic text. And, um. It's uh, it's very interesting that they did go that deep in on it. Um, even I, as a person who has a huge enthusiasm for demonology, did not notice that. Um, so well done, Mister Nick. All right. <laughs> if you if you watch Lorecast, um, I'm usually the guy who forgets to research and comes up with things on the fly. <laughs> so this is the one time I've seen good. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a uh, for anybody looking more into. Uh, some of these uh, some of this information for like what's real, because there is real stuff behind hereditary. Although I do want to point something out personally as a person who follows the occult and really thinks it's interesting. And that is that most demonic texts agrees that demons are not malignant or they're not maleficent or whatever. They're not um, they're not they're not their intent isn't to take over the earth or kill people or to hurt people. Their intent is to work with people. And so um, I do disagree very strongly with that aspect of hereditary. But with that said, if you do want to look more into this, the Lesser Key of Solomon is a great resource. Also, there's the Dictionary of Demons. The Encyclope Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology is another really good one. The Dictionary Infernal is another good one. 
there's a whole list of resources that can educate you on the subject if you're curious. But what you probably should take away from it is that hereditary is fiction and that um, its characterization of payment is probably very wrong. I mean, if you look at the description of payment, it's briefly describes them on here. Mm. It's king of hell who manifests as a man with a feminine face astride a camel, right? Uh, he commands 200 fallen angels and half were previously um, very powerful angels in heaven. You see nothing about taking over entire families and killing them. Uh, it's just not a part of the mythology when it comes to him personally. And no demons. You don't see that kind of stuff with him. Um, and so I think that's unfair to Payman. But um, I actually brought it up in our Discord earlier. I don't know if you guys read it, but a lot of that has to do with Christianization of demonic ideals. Um, basically, after Constantine took over, um, the old pagan gods became demons under Christianity. And uh, throughout time, they kind of just got mischaracterized and mischaracterized and mischaracterized even worse. Hmm. So the idea of evil demons is actually a very, very, uh, it's actually twofold. It's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, Arabic type idea with gens, right? Which mm -hmm. later metamorphosized into the genies. And then also the Christian ideal of demons being the servants of Satan and hell. Um, and that's a very Christian thing and not necessarily something that's contemporary with what we would consider modern demonic knowledge, in my opinion. But let me get off my high horse for a second and uh, let you guys talk. So um, do you guys do you guys overall think it was a good movie? I think it was absolutely fantastic. I think it was shot very well. It was acted very well. The sound design was very well. The set design was very well. Um, all the prosthetics and gore, fantastic. I can't think of anything bad with the movie. I don't know why it sparked so much um, negative hate from audiences. A lot of... Uh, uh, that's why like it's sitting at like a 70 something or 7.9 stars on some of the stuff and like 80% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure why it panned with audiences, but critics love it. It's usually the opposite way. Usually the audience loves it, but the critics hate it. Um, I'm not sure why that was. I was trying to look up controversy, but it just pulled up a bunch of stuff of like weird stuff. Um, showing like kid death. Obviously, that was one of the controversies. And I, I'm pretty sure there's uh, a lot of the church was probably upset about um, renewed interest in demonology. It did spark a lot of that because I typed, I tried to type in like uh, King Payment explained. And then I just got a bunch of hereditary, the origins of King Payment. I'm like, take off the hereditary part. I want to know about just king payment but hereditary kind of like now is like the modern it, it brought it back into like the spotlight that's actually very fair mm. um i run in a few like uh i run in a few occult circles as far as like people who um seek occult knowledge and that's something that they actually talk about a lot is like if you're here because hereditary made you interested in king payment please leave. Um, like there's so much more out there that has nothing to do with that. Um, so that's definitely a thorn in the side of a cultist. Um, just so you guys know, I'm not an occultist. I'm just, I'm, I'm a, a scholar, but uh, I don't believe in any of it, but it's the same. Well, I can't say I don't believe in it. I do think that there are some weird things out there and 
I would not be shocked if there are entities that we know as demons. Um, there are things that people claim, though, that I just do not think is true, like a, like having sex with a demon, succubi, incubi. Don't believe that for a freaking second. That just makes no sense <laughs> on every physical level. Noah, did you like the movie? I thought it was fantastic. I, the first time I watched it, uh, I was so terrified that I had to turn it off halfway through and send my friend home who I was watching it with. Uh, but I ended up finishing it and, uh, then I thought it was amazing. I really did. Like, even though it's just, it's a difficult movie to watch, um, just because of the themes that it, it, it covers. It's, it's just a, everything that Nick said about the acting, the sound design, the set design, the cinematography, it's all just, it comes together and it's so good. I think one of the reasons why, or at least, cause I remember seeing the trailer in theaters for the film. And it really made it seem like uh, not the movie that it was. It just it just seemed like a kind of generic horror movie about like you know evil entities or whatever. And the way the marketing, or at least for the trailer, was portrayed, which I know has pretty much absolutely nothing to do with the filmmakers. It's all done typically the marketing for 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 films with trailers is all done by a third party um, or by the studio's marketing, but it. Typically, the the people who produce and direct the movie have no say in really what happens in the trailer. But um, it really made it seem like the daughter was the main character. And uh, I'm guessing that one of the reasons why people, why kind of general audiences might have been upset is because they kill her off like a third of the way into the movie. Yeah. Um, so it's not really the movie that it kind of was marketed as. But honestly, I think that's a great thing because it totally misleads you and it thinks you have you absolutely don't see it coming. The first time you watch the movie, you have zero clue that the daughter is going to die. You know, you're like, yeah, she's the main character. She's going to be fine. But no, she's not. And uh, I, yeah, I think it's just it's a really fantastic film. And even though it covers some difficult topics, it's just handled really well. Um, I particularly like how it kind of covers grief um, and losing like loved ones. I think it covers that in a really one of the most realistic ways I've ever seen, you know, because especially when um, Pope was talking about or I don't know if it was you or Nick, but one of you guys was mentioning how I think it was Pope when when we see the son in the bed and Mm. when the when the mom goes to the when the mom goes to the uh, the car and like even after it happens, you're not quite on your first viewing. You're not quite sure what's happened. He's just kind of he just kind of. He's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm just going to drive home. And he's in shock. He's totally in shock. And it's, you don't think about it until you kind of analyze it. You know, you don't think about it while you're watching, but afterwards you're like, I don't know how else anybody would react in that scenario. You know, you'd probably just go home and flop down on your bed and want to pee, like pass out. Cause you're just, you don't know how it, you don't know how to handle it. And so it's just like, it seems everything about it is just so realistic um, from the emotions and the, um, the grief standpoint, I can't say about the demonology and, and whatnot. I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah, it's like I wrote down cause I took notes the second time or when I watched it for the show and I wrote down what she said, uh, what the mom was screaming. Um, like after she found out that her daughter was killed. Um, let me just find it real quick. Uh, where we go. She says, I can't, I can't, I just want to die. It hurts too much. I just want to die. And then she yells her name, Charlie. And that's over a longer period of time. But it's just like, wow, that's, it's so simple, but it's so effective. You know, it, it doesn't have to be like some 
long speech about how she misses her daughter. No, she's just in anguish and you can feel it. It seems so real. It's primal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like absolutely primal. She just, she knocked it out of the park. It's gut wrenching. Um, So let me ask you this. This is, um, this, I guess it was maybe a little inevitable to this podcast because we're like treading on such heavy ground. But I do, I do want to ask you guys, do you know anybody and feel free to just say no if you do and you don't want to talk about it. That's okay. But do you guys know anybody who's lost a child? I know of someone who's lost a child. Um, they're not personal friends of mine, but I, my parents have a have friends um, who we don't really talk. We don't really know them anymore, but they lived somewhere where they made these friends, but then they moved. Um, but they're, they're friends. They lost a child shortly after she was born, um, which is very sad, but you know what happens. But that's about it. The reason I ask is because I have a, um, I know somebody and for their privacy, I'm not even going to disclose my relationship with them, but I will say that I know them and I've known them my entire life and they, uh, almost my entire life and they did lose a child very young. Their child was a good friend of mine. Mm. And one thing that I've noted in them since it happened is that they are, um, this person who used to be like so full of life and so full of humor and energy uh, today is just like, it's like they're still very smart and they still work and stuff, but it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. Mm. It's like something it's like there, there's a part of them died mm. with, you know, the, the little one, like it just, and it never can be brought back. And that's one of the reasons why I appreciate her performance so much is because I think she very much got that across that there's no going back mm. after that happens. There is no making it better. Yeah. There is no waking up from the nightmare. There is no, and, and it's, it's, and like knowing that person who had that happen um, and being close to them, or at least as close as I can be with, you know, my life of traveling and military and all that stuff knowing that and seeing the effect it had on them honestly makes me want nothing to do with the kids. Like, because it's just like, if something happened to them, that is a one way ticket to spending the rest of your life, a shattered disaster of a human. Mm. And, um, there's even more, there's even like, there's, there's parts of it that like are even more horrifying to me. Like, for example, um, they had to, uh, like they, they uh like okay so you haven't you, you don't you maybe haven't had that experience but have you had somebody close to you die let me ask mm. you that yeah. okay do you ever have those thoughts you know the ones i'm think talking about right do you, you know the ones i'm talking about right if you don't let's move on from this subject because i don't want to put that evil on you but if you do if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about anybody out there listening the thoughts the the thoughts that are you don't want to have, but you do, those thoughts, and uh, but it like it being her child and it being the person I know's child, in that situation with the thoughts, it's got to be the single most horrifying thing in the history of horror, like and I don't mean that in a movie, a scary movie type way. I mean a real life nightmare that you never wake up from, mm-hmm. and. I I just I really appreciate the fact that they went to very extreme lengths to convey that 
mm-hmm. to convey that this is a mentally scarring thing that for the rest of their lives, which it turns out because of the movie, wouldn't be very long. But if they did live, would it would just it would continue on into the future. The mother will never forgive the son for what happened. Mm-hmm. Even though really honestly, it's only partially his fault. Um, I think you can watch it and you can read that it is his fault because he she had a peanut allergy and he wasn't paying attention because yeah. he was trying to get in this chick's pants. But I don't know if you get I mean, uh, Nick, you have you have a sibling. Noah, I don't know if you have a sibling, but I have a little brother and my mom would sometimes force him to go places with me. And I did the same exact thing. Like maybe I wasn't a good brother, but I was like, I was like, hey, screw off. I'm doing this stuff. You go over here. And that's realistic. That's utterly realistic. That's what happens. Yeah. At least as far as I know. I mean, would you guys agree with that or disagree? Did you ever find yourself in that situation? Not with the dead kid, but with the um with having to go take a sibling somewhere? Well, luckily for me, uh my sister and I uh <laughs> we don't get out much, so we never really did the whole stereotypical um I had to take her somewhere, um, maybe to like the grocery store. But uh, a lot of the times we just walked together in the grocery store. Um, so th- that didn't really register to me um, with that. I do like when we're, we were in the house together and I'd be like, hey, I'm going to do this. You go stay in your room or if you're going to be in a part of the house, be in a different part of the house. Um, luckily, we didn't have any allergies or anything because that, that situation could even happen in within your own home, if you're just not paying attention, if you're upstairs and your your sibling is downstairs and they munch on some peanuts and they got an allergy, I mean, that could be an allergen too. Um, one thing that uh, Sarah was saying was she was like, at least Peter tried to get her to the hospital. If he was a truly bad brother, he would have been like, oh, damn, I just, mom's going to kill me. I don't know what to, I, just, I get better, get better. Don't ruin the party for me. But he immediately picked her ass up and got her to the car and tried to fix the situation. I think that's what that's what really got to me more. Cause like even though my sister and I didn't go out much, like the thought of if my sister needed help, then I would absolutely do whatever I could to get her to the hospital, to get her to whatever situation that she needed to. And then for that to happen, uh, I actually thought that he was gonna get her to the hospital and that it was gonna be some traumatic event and then like um he was going to be like, I'm going to be a good brother now. I didn't mean to do that. But no, he he doesn't get to live without the consequence of um, he accidentally killed his sister. I With that poll, there was like the poll and it had the symbol of uh, payment on it. Uh, it's like inferred that the grandma or uh, Joan or one of the other cultists put it there. Then when the deer was in the middle of the road, that was the one that was meant to behead her. So. It was an accident on Peter's part, but someone wanted it to happen because they needed the soul of payment to get out of Charlie. So, like, so that that's what stuck with me was, like, if I had to really get my sister somewhere, then I would absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't I can't really relate, to be honest, but I do have I have three sisters, but they kind of all did stuff with themselves because, you know, they're all sisters. So I didn't really have to ever take them anywhere. <laughs> but no, I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, and I, I, I like that you mentioned the poll foreshadowing because they do a lot of this in the movie where they like heavily foreshadow what's going to happen. And like yeah. watching it for the second time, you're like, oh, my gosh, 
obviously. But then yeah. I can imagine, or sorry, watching it for a second time, you're like, obviously. But watching it for a first time, I can see just being absolutely clueless to it. Because they do show the pole. Like, he drives past and it, like, the pole is right in the center of this in the frame and you see yeah. the symbol and you're like, oh shit. Usually but, um, is it the correct is it the correct seal of payment? Yeah, I actually have it. You uh, have the lesser key, so you I got can, it you can on find it. I got it on camera. I'll put it up on the video. I'll have it over us. But uh yeah, there she is. Fiddle there it is. So that was the symbol on the pole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, and the on uh the grandma's clothes, um the necklace. Yep. Um, what are some other ways that it foreshadowed? Um, Remember, I haven't seen it a second time, so I've only seen it the first the, time. The um, uh, for some reason the mom, oh, not for some reason the mom was making miniatures, and uh, at one point when she was making the accident, she made it a, a diorama of the accident. For some reason, the mom went uh, obviously not for some reason. We know that the mom went; she became a shattered human being, so she recreated the accident, and the dad was like, "What?" what are you doing? Um, we see her dab the blood up to the head. And then whenever the scene, when Charlie is, um, come back and she does the clicking noise, um, to scare Peter, it zooms over the diorama and the head is missing. Mm -hmm. Um, what, uh, what, uh, obviously the tree house is a big gigantic foreshadow the whole time. Like from no lights, it was like, uh, regular lights, then the red of the heat lamp, so there's always out there in the treehouse was always foreshadowing like something was going to happen with that. Um, most of the time with foreshadows in movies, like you can tell, oh, they zoomed in on the door. Something's going to happen with the door. But with the way that they shot the movie, they would show you something and then they'd move on. Then you come back later and it's like, I for totally forgot about the phone pole. I was like, oh, it's just a creepy symbol on the way there. And then when Charlie got her head blasted off, I was like, that was the pole. So it the way they shot it, it comes back. Yeah, yeah. There's a. I'm just trying to look through my notes and see if I wrote, wrote anything down. I know um, Charlie at the beginning, after the funeral happens, Charlie says to her mother, "Like when you die, who's gonna take care of me?" And not like if you die, you know. She doesn't say like she's like yeah. She's like when you die, who's gonna take care of me? And that's not really foreshadowing, because technically Charlie dies first, but the, the mom does die. Um, and also she mentions that the grandma wanted her to be a boy. She's like, grandma wanted me to be a boy because Paymon needs a, uh, a male host. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. Oh yeah. She cuts off the, the bird's head, which kind of is, there's a lot of beheading yeah. in this movie. Lots of heads being yeah, removed from bodies. Yeah, there's a serious amount of decapitation. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the, the main form of how to get someone to, a quick way to get Paymon out of there, well, out of the host body. I wonder if because... The because you were saying that Paymon has a has is has a, like a female face but like a male body. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Because as far as I know, yeah, they um, trapped only, Charlie and Payment in the same body. Only the only the females were decapitated in the movie. Because I don't think the the dad had his head taken off. And no, that was he, just was, he was he caught he was on just fire, burned, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he but caught on fire. Charlie had her head decapitated. Her head was decapitated, and then the mother decapitated herself. And then obviously Peter stayed in his full yeah. body. And uh, well, he, was, mom, he yeah. stayed intact. Yeah. The grandma. The grandma was also the grandma's head yeah. was also removed yeah. too. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. You know, because I don't know. I just I just noticed that as a theme. Um, mm -hmm. 
I also wonder if, uh, I mean, going into that, I wonder if it's, that's also maybe why they mounted Charlie's head in the first place. Because you got to think, if Payman took over the body of a male, then why was Charlie's head mounted at the end with the crown on it? You know what I mean? And maybe that has something to do with it as well. Maybe it's an allusion to it. Um, interestingly, though, is Charlie herself <coughs> didn't look that feminine anyway. No. You know what I mean? If she you look at her in real life, she looks like a normal girl. But the way that they did her makeup, she does have uh, like a cleft palette or dysplasia where her, her lip is up. But they like really accentuated that to where they made her look really creepy. Because like if you look at her now, she just looks like a a normal girl. I was like, man, they made her look. They made her look really bad in this movie. They did her dirty. They did. She looks. She looks fine now. She's, uh, yeah, yeah. She looks fine. Um, sorry, I'm just reading my notes again. One of the the husband gets a call from the mortuary saying that that the or not the mortuary but the the funeral home saying that the the grave was desecrated, but it never really continues with that until the end. Obviously, some cult leaders or cult members dug up the the grandma but then also when the when the when um annie is in she goes to the first like session of uh therapy the grief counseling she talks about her family and how she said her grandma had did and her grandpa had psychotic depression and her brother had schizophrenia and her brother accused the mother like her mother of putting people inside him so it's entirely possible that the mom even from like the grandmother even from the beginning um, wanted to use her own son as a vessel, but then he ended up, uh, I think he ended up hanging himself or killing himself or something. Um, and maybe he didn't even have schizophrenia. Maybe she was just trying to put payment inside of him and he was rejecting it or something. But I don't know. I thought that was interesting as well. That's I mean, because it, it was also, it was also a part of the plot that the grandma was too overbearing when it came to the boy as yeah, well. Um, that's the hereditary part from a lot of what I've read is like they're inheriting the curse of um, payment basically. So like um, it's inferred that the grandma did try and put uh, payment inside of her brother or son. One of the two um, she did try that. And that's why he killed himself. I was watching uh, the dead meat kill count and he did one on it and that's what he inferred from it. And from what a lot of people say that they infer from it too. Uh, so that's like, part of it outstanding so uh guys before we get into the rest of the episode i actually want to ask uh do you guys at your jobs do you do any team events unfortunately i don't get to do a whole lot of events we just have a lot of meetings and a lot of phone calls throughout the company we actually at my place of work we actually do have a lot of events because i don't want to disclose my place of work but it is a, a bigger company and uh, there are a lot of events that go on within the company and everyone from around gets together and has a lot of fun, honestly. And they're, they're pretty great. Some of them are pretty great. And we actually have one coming up on soon that I'm going to go to with my sister, who I also work with. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So um, the reason I asked that question is because our sponsor um, for this podcast is Fun Team Events a company out of Atlanta, which is also where you could find Nick if you look in some of the nooks and crannies of that city. <laughs> um, Fun Team Events is awesome. for the uh, Specifically for the month of October, something that we wanted to talk about when it comes to them is actually the game of Drag Queen Bingo, 
which is uh, hosted by the wonderful Pollo Del Mar out of San Francisco. It's a very famous uh, kind of barroom game, and it's done completely virtually. It's very convenient and fun. But Drag Queen Bingo isn't the only thing these guys offer. They also offer trivia. They also offer match game, a game called Office Olympics. And the best part is you can theme them all according to whatever time of year it is. So there are actually Halloween events happening at this time. So make sure to go check out Fun Team Events. They're wonderful. Use the website www.funteamevents.com podcast for 10% off of your event purchase. So make sure to go to the website and check it out and uh, tell them that Macabre Masters sent you. Now, back to the podcast. It's just, uh, it's a very, very multi-layered type film. Like there's there's a lot of layers to it. And I definitely can see how it kind of became like an entrance drug to the occult for a lot of people. Because once you find out that payment is like a historically recognized demon, that's, um, I mean, that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I'm really fascinated by the fact that it, it got a low score. Like it's low scoring. Like that's the single scariest movie I have ever seen in my life. It It freaking, I've never had me up. I've never had anything keep me up past uh, super late whenever, like when I was an adult, but yeah, to keep me up and only get 45 minutes of sleep, it it, it means something. Um, Oh yeah. It's pretty, I I also do want to watch his other movie Midsummer. Uh, I hear that one's not as scary, but it's still very, very good. Same kind of cult type stuff, but um, yeah. Think but about different. how it, instead of dealing with grief, it kind of deals more with anxiety. So okay, it's not as like just destroy. Just it doesn't destroy you. You're just like oh geez, you know. But that's all. That's a, another great film. They're both just Ari Aster. I don't know what he man. I don't know what's going on in his head, but. Uh, hope he's okay, but he makes some fantastic movies, um, even if they're just a little, you know, on a little bit messed about up. Some, <laughs> yeah, about some very uh, um, interesting themes. But the, I mean, that's that's the thing too is that I think it, I think it did a great job of mixing not only kind of like contemporary horror. So um, when you think contemporary horror, you think weird motions, like you think like a you know, something like The Grudge or like The Ring where things are just moving and it's non-human. I would say like really one of the things that actually really did that well was Signs. Actually, at the end where you see the alien and he's all like, he moves like a spider almost. Mm-hmm. Um, So the woman, when uh, the mother, when she's like got, she's the addict and she's like, boom, 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 oh boom, my God. boom, boom, with her head. Yes. That freaked me out. That, it's, that was like one of the ones that actually got me. <laughs> Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, it's and, freaky. It's so and unnatural. Peter's yelling, "Mom, please stop, mommy! I'm sorry. I'll do whatever it takes. Stop." He that. says, "Mommy," too. Like he's just yeah. Like, I was like, to he's, this like child please, he's just like, please stop, please stop." Oh gosh, that was scary because like you don't think about the fact that she's making noise, even though like he brought the ladder up of the from the attic. You're like, "Oh, she's like banging on it," and you're not thinking about it until it cuts to her. Because I totally forgot about that, and then that happened. Yeah. I was like, "Oh Christ, that's terrifying." Yeah, I thought I she was just punching. That. I thought she was just like punching, but no, nah, just beating her head up. So <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, um, so that's the thing, right? <clears throat> is that it makes it stuff like that which is just very visually disconcerting um, because nothing should move like that, right? Um, But then it mixes that along with like the kind of old school, just real psychological um, type stuff, you know, like the the mind games. Like if you think about 
you think about uh, the part where she was having the nightmare about her son. You know what I mean? And and it's like she's like catching on fire and he's getting eaten by bugs. And like that stuff is visually disconcerting, but it is not in the same way as seeing her bang her head up against. The it's much more psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost wonder if the bugs thing was a reference back to Charlie's head. Oh, I would I assume so. I, I, I Might have, yeah, I would, I would guess so. Because when you see Charlie's head, it's getting eaten by bugs. Which actually, believe it or not, that one of the reasons that freaked me out so hard was beyond um, the excellent, excellent job of the people who designed that head. I mean, seriously, the SFX artists on that movie, like you guys rock. Like if you hear this, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But besides that is also, believe it or not, for my own personal life. um, I had a dog die when I was young. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a heat stroke, unfortunately. And um, when it was the first time I'd ever seen a corpse up close and it was my beloved family dog. His name was Odie. Uh, He was a good dog. He was a basset hound. And um, I walked up to him and I touched his stomach and it was hard because of rigor mortis. And that was kind of the first indication. But remember, I had never I was like maybe 13, 14. I'd never seen death before up close. And then I saw the ants in his mouth Mm. and the ants in the mouth did it Mm. like it was like. This thing used to be alive and now it's fucking dead. And um, because nothing living is going to let ants crawl around and I like that. And so um, seeing the bugs on Charlie's head actually kind of really fucked with me. Because Nick, if you want me to, I'll censor this. No, it's, it doesn't bother um, me. We're not on Lorecast anymore. So <laughs> do uh, I mean, really, it's going to be content warnings. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, there's there's already so much content. In this. Yeah. this is just going to be like. We're going to have to put an extensive disclaimer on the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, but um, but it was it really messed with me because it also kind of like with your sister, like it kind of flashed. It reminded me of that. Honestly, um, Odie was a very beloved dog and, and we missed him. For, we still miss him to this day. Um, and so uh, that's another thing, too, is that besides the supernatural elements of the movie uh, with King Payman and decapitations and. And, and demons taking people's bodies and stuff like that. Beyond that, on a sheer human level, it's also a very, very, very sad, very disturbing, and very um, just unsettling film. Even if they didn't have the demonic possession be a part of it. Um, because if you think about it, um, a girl gets decapitated, right? A... Uh, uh, a mother loses her mind, which is makes sense. Um, the, her relationship with the father is basically in fucking it's in tatters after that. Yeah. Uh, and so like a family is destroyed. The son is shattered from that and has to shoulder the blame for the incident happening, even though we know plot wise, it really partially was his fault, but it wasn't completely his fault. It was going to happen really either way. Um, just a family completely shattered. And I have not seen that portrayed in a movie so well, actually, since Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, the original Pet Cemetery, I haven't seen the new one, but the original Pet Cemetery, um, the way it depicted like a happy family going from although I won't say they were obscenely happy and hereditary, but they were they were pretty normal nuclear. Yeah, family. they were normal at the beginning. Yeah. And so go from that to a completely broken just completely destroyed unit 
like I haven't seen it done that well since that movie. Mm-hmm. And Pet Cemetery is still very, very creepy for that reason. It's not it's not the baby coming back to life in Pet Cemetery. It's not the mother coming back to life at the end. It really is Dr. Creed going insane because that's what happens to Dr. Creed is he goes nuts. And um, I think that these guys going insane and was one of the things that so like, for example, one of the some of the creepiest Im- imagery in the entire movie, and I'm not trying to take over this podcast, I no, promise. Fine. But so, <laughs> some of the creepiest imagery was actually humans. Oh, yeah. It was the cult of payment members standing around naked, smiling. I mean, that's what causes him to jump out of the window. It wasn't even his mom doing the weirdest freaking headbang like Slayer was playing in the background ever in history. It was a naked person standing in his attic that made him jump out of the window. You know what I mean? And so the balance of like stuff that's all too human, along with very light touches of supernatural. Like I said, you never see payment head on, you you know. Um, I mean, would you guys agree with that or what do you think? Yeah. Um, so like we talked about in the ring, um, even though it was pushed back by the time of recording, because you know, life happens. I do plan on being a firefighter and um unfortunately people okay so uh, another thing i did mention about in the ring episode is that a lot of people especially in america think that firefighters only go in uh jacket open pecs blazing running into a fire putting it in put the water out and they're out really firefighters first and foremost are emergency medical technicians so they're emts first so like anytime there's an accident an EMT is on the scene first. Anytime your grandma falls down, firefighters are there first. Anytime there's a road accident, firefighters are there first. Extrication, someone got stuck in their car, firefighters are there first. So firefighters are the true first responders unless it's like something like someone's being shot. That's police or, you know, someone's going to the hospital just for medicine. That's for uh, EMTs. So something that it's it's put into my mind of I'm going to have to see this more often than I realize in real life. So it's really scary to think that and that's part of the problem is um, I have people in my life who are retired firefighters, people who are in fire service now that tell me their horror stories. They tell me because they know I want to be a firefighter, but they keep it away from the public. Like, I don't know how deep you want me to go into it here, but like they've told me some awful stories of teens, kids, uh, so while I've never had, or I know some, we, we didn't get to me, uh, I know some people who have had miscarriages close to me, but I've never had someone who has had a full-on developed human and had, you know, two, three, four fantastic years, and then the baby passes away. Um, but the retired firefighter that I know told me that he trained someone else to, he was like, hey, go ahead and just be a paramedic. You You got the skills, go be a paramedic. And he had three uh, child cardiac arrests right in a row, and he had just had a child. So cardiac arrest, for you don't know, is when you have a heart attack and your heart your heart stops. So arrest means stop. So like your heart stops. So this guy had just had his child, and he had to fix. He had to go and try and rescue to no avail three children who had their heart just stopped. Uh, that retired firefighter also has gone and um, he went to an accident where the girl was T-boned. And as soon as they got to the accident, he was like, I'm going to go help this person. Don't worry about the person in the car. And at the time, his daughter 
was a teenager, about the same age as the girl who got T-boned and spine was gone, snapped. So it's it's it put that into real life of me as I'm going to have to see this quite often more so than I think. And it's it's going to wear down on me. And they have special uh, like debrief sessions where you have to like if it was too much, you got to call someone in and someone has to come and sit down that whole team that was working that day. And they got to figure it out. There's also specialist, uh, special therapists for first responders. Um, I know if you do it and you're a firefighter, get called a pussy. But uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be some gruff, burly guy who's seen a ton of death and is like, yeah, I love death. No, I I really don't. I, I want to be in the saving lives sort of business. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm going to eventually have to see where a 13-year-old girl stuck her head out the window. I thought it was a cool idea and a stop sign took her out. I'm going to have to see people who who didn't make it out of the way of a semi truck in time. So it's it's it wore down on me on that where I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to see this in real life. Mm-hmm. The um so two things, Nick. First of all, I did not mean to pass you over. No, um, it's totally, it just, it just, uh, that's you fine. You shook your head, and so I was like, okay, no, I was, cool, he doesn't. Yeah, I didn't know anyone who had, like, a, a child pass away. <laughs> um, then the second thing is, who has kids in the background? Okay, because I hear kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sarah's watching Shrek, too. <laughs> okay, thank freaking God, because that <laughs> yeah, was about yeah. to get weird. I was about to, dude, I was about to peace out of here. I'm like, sorry, guys, can't do this. Peace out. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, next time, next time we need to talk about, uh, uh, you know, something a little bit lighter, like maybe <laughs> uh, Pee Wee's Big House or, you know, the Adventure Time movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's um, I definitely I got to say, I respect I respect the living hell out of first responders. I couldn't do it. I don't have the stomach for it. Um, and I do know people that was when I was in the military. Um, I noted on the ring that I've never um, I've been lucky enough to avoid like a lot of the stuff that people see in combat that like destroys them. But I also know people who did do that, like they reacted to um, having to kill people and having to see death in that kind of way. Like, uh, you know, like uh, the I love the small napalm in the morning type guys like, you know, like uh, one guy. I mean, he's a nice guy. I love him to death, but he has his confirmed kills. He has tattooed on his arms, like, you know, like a one, two, three, four through one, two, three, four. And it's like, I don't really think that most people who take another life, whether it's the enemy on a battlefield or whether it's by accident, like, you know, Charlie got taken in that movie. I don't think most people can walk away with that, walk away from such a huge thing um, completely intact. I think that's just part of our human personality is that killing each other is not something that we can really do naturally, uh, barring some people that are mentally, obviously mentally ill um, and serial like serial killers and stuff like that. Like you look at like Ted Bundy or Ed Gein or something. These gentlemen are obviously very mentally ill, um, especially if you see some of their interviews. So um, with that said, I, I really... I just respect that. I just want to put that out there on a public forum. Mm. All right, guys. So we've hit about an hour. Is there? And uh, once again, I, you know, I don't know how to shut up. Um, <laughs> once again, 
we're at about an hour. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on the movie or on the mythology behind the movie or on demonology or anything else um, related to the subject? You guys have anything? I did because I have my whole list of notes. I'm just kind of looking over them and I have just a lot. But one thing that I noticed is that in a couple scenes, we see some writing on walls. Um, it's specifically in three scenes. Well, technically four, because the mom recreates it in her little miniature. But behind the bed on Charlie's wall, the word Satany is written. Um, I don't exactly know where this one is written, but it's on a wall somewhere in the house. But the word Zazar, Z-A-Z-A-R. And then uh, somewhere else, again, in the house, I don't quite remember. I didn't really put it here. Is Liftoch or Liftoak or Lift something, Liftoak Pandemonium. So these are all little things I noticed. I don't know if these mean anything in the whole like demonology world. Um, obviously, Satany is probably the most uh, recognizable word. But yeah, just I didn't know if you were aware of what those words um what the meaning was behind them or not. I don't have my lesser key as a lesser key on me. Nick, can you find Zazar? Is Zazar one in the, uh, in the lesser not. key? Okay. So yeah, it ties in with, I don't quite know what Zazas means though, but yeah. So it, it's, it's reasonable to assume that they all tie in with him ascending. Yeah. Essentially. Mm. Yeah. That seems reasonable. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't, I, I should have looked it up. But I didn't <laughs> no, I think about it. What other notes you got? Oh, there's a lot. I just um, one thing I noticed is that she she drew a lot. Right. Charlie drew a lot. And one of the things that um, you see in her notebook is she dries, draws the pigeon, but the pigeon's wearing a crown, kind of like how the crown was on her head at the end. Mm. So I don't know if mm. she kind of predicted that, you know, that whole crown thing or what. Um, I also liked how they kind of had this contrast between the sun's like um, silent grief and the mother's like very vocal grief. I think that was a really good, um, just, I don't know. It just, it was interesting. Um, Peter starts choking like his sister was choking when he was smoking with his buddies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then he starts like crying cause just everything is all crazy. But, um, I'm guessing that maybe him being high again kind of reminds him of the situation. So he's just, he just kind of gets, you know, it's coming back to him. Um, yeah, but you know, I just, I have a lot here, but it's, I don't know if it's all worth uh, going into. Although man, just a lot of the stuff, I mean, I obviously it's called hereditary cause it's about like the relationship between the whole family, but like, especially the mom and the, and the daughter and the, well, the grandma, mom and daughter, but that mom just like throughout the, throughout the movie, it just sprinkled in that like the mom was just really manipulative. Like it was very yeah. obvious in that scene where, where um where she has where where Annie has the nightmare um talking to her son um she uh, she says that I, she didn't want to have him and she tried not to have him because she knew that like the mom would try and you know get her get, get, get her little claws on him and so like obviously she didn't want to have kids but her mom like kind of manipulated her into having it or had some sort of say in and and what happened I really don't know but yeah it's just it, it's I don't know. It's just, it's very, it, what you said earlier about, I think Pope mentioned it about how 
the horror doesn't just come from the visuals and from like the paranormal stuff. It comes from the, just the relationship uh, with the family and just what's going on in the family. Cause by itself, that movie would just be just heart wrenching. But, um, but adding in all the paranormal stuff, it just makes it that much more terrifying. But yeah, I don't know. Did I, something I don't think I caught when I saw it is was the mother and father aware of the cult of payment and were they aware of their role in it? So was the mother aware that Charlie was essentially carrying payment? Like, I don't think so. It's not, it's, I got the impression they were. I think she yeah, was no. right at the end whenever she was like chasing after Joan. Um, she's like, yo, my mom has those, the, bed mats whenever she started doing like the research and like going through her mom's old stuff i think she kind of caught on towards the very end of all their lives basically yeah but she was getting a big old like a big whiff of something that was about to happen it was too late though at that point she knew that her mom already had conjured stuff (laughs) and she, she she was also like really um paranoid because the door of the mom's room gets open towards the beginning of the movie and she closes it and kind of like hangs there for a second. And then she also sees the mom, you know, but then she disappears. Um, she sees the mom like in the dark. She turns the light on and she's gone. So she's obviously like she knew her mom was into some weird stuff and she knows that like she knows enough to be like kind of hesitant about the situation. But I don't think she obviously has no idea to the full the full extent of what's going on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It just seems really it seems really odd that like they would this cult would make plans centering around this entire family, because if you consider it like separate it from the demons and separate it from uh, any real supernatural supernatural elements and just keep it strictly human and it's exploitation. Oh, yeah. like it's exploiting the it's exploiting this family, this nuclear family as a resource. Right. So they mm-hmm. they have resources, which is children, and then the children are used. And they're exploited in order to help them accomplish a goal, which in this case is, uh, you know, obviously the resur- not the resurrection, but the ascension of payment. So, um, I mean, I I don't know. Like, it's 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 very callous, like to like be like, okay, well, this entire family, like, uh, but I also think it's possible the cult of payment did not know exactly how far payment would take it. Yeah, I mean, because that entire family got eradicated mm-hmm. but there's a lot about it that didn't get like explained in my opinion to what i saw like um for example um it was brought up earlier one of you brought it up and i think it's a really good question who where like how did how was she up in the air sawing herself or yeah. you know banging on the thing you know what i mean or like um like who did that? To that was that payment in there? To that point, I know I don't know how reliable this is, but I know it's Wikipedia. But on Wikipedia, it has a list of his powers, payment's powers, and it says that he can create visions, he can reanimate the dead for several years, and he can fly. So I'm assuming that he was animating the body, and that's how the the grandma moved around, um, and then he also was able to in, like to enter the mom, and she flew up, and so I'm, that's, that's my assumption. But um, yeah. I don't in know the if that's in Solomon, the lesser... he doesn't really he doesn't really have powers per se. Um he's not a malignant spirit of evil like the uh, movie says. Uh it says this spirit can teach all arts and sciences and other secret things. He can discover unto thee what the earth is 
and what holdeth it up in the waters, and what mind is, and where it is, or any other thing thou mayest desire to know. So he's mostly, according to this canon of um, of writing, he's mostly one of uh, knowledge. Um, it does say he's like obedient to only Lucifer. <laughs> he's wow. like number two out of the nine kings. Yeah. So that's um, a subject that we will get into in a future episode of Macabre Masters. <clears throat> which is exact, which is actually the nature of demonology. But what you find the deeper you look into it is that demons, like I said, uh, I, mean, I brushed on before, demons are not characterized in mainstream demonology or even underground demonology as malignant characters. They are not, they are capable of doing malignant actions and hurting people and things of that nature. But for the most part, most demons, um, are um, almost patron saints of certain things like um, wisdom and knowledge and the demon Furfur, for example. Furfur is a demon where if you bind him in a triangle, he has to tell the truth and he's a truthful demon. And so the uh, I do think that the movie completely... If for all its research and for all the stuff that it did right and for all the stuff it got right, one of the things it did was drastically mischaracterize the um, what a demon is and what it should be and what it could be. Yeah. Although they did get one thing right, and that is that a lot of demonologists believe that demons exist, but they are energy, right? Just like a ghost would be energy, just like uh, Foo Fighters, for example, which is something I want to talk about later on mm-hmm. in the whole thing, would be energy. Um, the demons are too. And so that's how he's portrayed, right? He's portrayed as just a ball of light that kind of bounces around um, and then goes into the sun. Uh, the, the goes into the boy, the guy. Um, and so for all they got right, that is one beef I do have with this movie is if you know the first thing about demonology, you know that a demon, first of all, is not going to come there. Like they didn't even go into what's Payman's goal after he gets there, after he takes over this dude. What's, what's the plan? What's he going to do? Is it going to be Hereditary 2, Payman Rising, and he's going to fight Godzilla and uh, Samara and the Grudge Girl. Like, like what's what's supposed to happen there? You know what I mean? Um, I think the thing is, is that I think this contributes to a long history of scare tactics when it comes to hell lore and when it comes to demonology lore and when it comes to uh, just the supernatural in general. And the intent is to scare people out of having curiosity about this kind of stuff. Because, um, you know, obviously it's not mainstream, but the truth is, is that most of it that you ever find, I I, like, I found a book that is a manual. So the lesser key of Solomon is a list of like demon invoking, um, kind of, uh, rituals, but I found an actual manual for modern day demonologists that is warned you in the beginning. It's like, this is dark stuff. Like, if you're getting into this, this is really dark stuff. And then you know what it says? It says, don't invoke demons to exploit them. Don't sacrifice anything because sacrifice is not freaking cool, bro. And it says demons are not evil and they're not here to do your bidding and they are not bad. It like it explicitly It's one of the first things it says in the book, like the Hollywood characterization of demons is wrong. And. I'm like expecting like how to summon this demon so, you know, it can like 
kill like the person who bullies you at school. You know what I mean? And it's nothing. It's just so much not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have that beef because it really makes people who care about this stuff look bad. But um, I think anybody who, you know, has the will, they could go research it. Mm-hmm. But I also think a lot of people believe that stuff like that is cursed. They believe that reading a book on demonology is cursed and that it'll cause them problems. As a guy with a shelf full of books of the occult, let me assure you, the biggest scary thing, the thing that's messed me up the most is a little movie called Hereditary and never the real life occult stuff. Is <laughs> never once got uh. me. Or maybe I'm just a weenie, as I said. No, nah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you are. This movie, this movie messes gonna... everyone up, man. If you it's like, look it's at my shelf, like this whole chunk right here, that's all horror movies, and none of them got to me. None of them scare me. I can watch those over and over and over again. Resident Evil doesn't scare me. 28 Days Later, scary. it's a good movie. <laughs> 28 Days Later is a good movie, not scary. Hereditary just, I don't know, it wrecked me. Uh, it's, it's a really good Same. movie. It's fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to watch Midsummer. Um this guy. I'm not watching Midsummer, so if we do we're doing an episode on it, <laughs> count on me not being there. I am not Same watching guy. Midsummer. I'm just I'm just not doing it. I might read the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> it's not that'll be an episode as, where I don't talk like, that much. It's not near it doesn't hit that level of like, oh man, it fucks you up as much as hereditary. It's not it's not that bad. Yeah, bro, that's like saying that a million dollars isn't as much as a billion dollars. It's still a lot of money, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it doesn't evoke that same like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be the same after this movie. No. Yeah. Oh, God. That's the thing is it like that one challenge, like seriously, like I even talking about it, even even like doing this podcast and talking about it, I have been freaked out just remembering it like it's whatever they did. They did it so well. Mm-hmm. And um. I don't know, man. It's like somebody went into my head and they found the freak Devin out and ruin three weeks of time and like uh, make him scared of flashing lights buttons. And they just, you know, like, (laughs) you know, take Devin back to watching the original Pet Cemetery movie. Have you guys ever seen that movie, by the way, the original Pet Cemetery? I have not. No, I've only seen the kill count. Thanks for spoiling it, though. (laughs) Just kidding. You're welcome. Um, no, there, there's a part actually that's um, it also one of the creepy things is also really great special effects. Um, the sister in Pet Cemetery has there's a there's a sister to the uh, wife. Uh, she has a spinal disease. And so her face looks all contorted and crazy. And um, and it's just like all messed up and weird. And there's a part where she starts screaming at the sister like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. And boy, I, that is the first time I ever like basically pissed my pants during a movie, and it mm. never again happened until Hereditary. Like it was, it was thirty, you know, like twenty five years in between these incidences, and it's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen King, what do you, your move, Stephen King? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he could scrub. Yeah, it didn't even scare me. It didn't scare me. Doctor Sleep didn't scare me. All those Stephen King movies. Oh, it wasn't scary. They might be scary while you're watching it because of jump scares, but you leave the theaters and you're just like, eh. But this is like you 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 stop watching this movie and it sticks with you (laughs) for the next week and for the rest of your life. I feel like 
I think it was you, because you we like were he... talking about like anchors. Because like when you watch it, I mean, you got James McAvoy running around with uh, uh, what's his name? I already forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Bill really Hader. Yeah, comedian. Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader. And uh, James McAvoy are running right. around having a great time. Finn Wolfhard's in the first one. You're like, that's a lot of anchors. It's pretty good. And then Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably yeah, the scariest thing about the movie is that one face he does. You can do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, I I, it. okay. I can make my eyes do the thing. Don't think of me weird, but okay. <laughs> okay, let's go. So that's good times. Um. Okay, guys. Well, we have uh we've went pretty far with this, and this conversation has gone to the dark, to the incredibly maybe need to cut it out of the podcast dark, <laughs> and then to the light again. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience on this very new, very awesome podcast that we have started? Anything that you want to leave them with? Okay. Uh, I, I guess I could say, Be yeah, nice. <laughs> Be good people. Um, no, thank you absolutely for listening to this. This is a, a first foray into something that's, for me, I usually delve in PG-13 and below. Um, but this is the first time we're going into stuff that's real stuff that's deep, stuff that uh, ties to real life, something that I could never do on Lorecast um, just because of the nature of it. And we go past the lore. Usually I'm the lore guy or the dates guy. Uh, I throw up a lot of dates. So uh, thanks for listening in. I think that this is something that's um, going to be something really good, and I think it's going to horrify us. The more we delve into uh, our, the other topics that we've talked about uh, behind the scenes, don't want to spoil it now, but we've talked about some real stuff that's going to get real rough. So, you know, stick around. Mm-hmm. Noah? I don't know. Yeah, what I said earlier, just <laughs> take care of everyone, you know, be nice to each other. That's my, that's my, that's what I'm all about. Everyone be nice to each other. Respect one another, even if you don't believe the same thing. Agreed 100%. And my only parting thing is honestly, if you are going to worship demons, that's completely cool. Just do not destroy an entire family. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, let's 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 leave families alone, okay? Let's let's let them live their lives, okay? Don't don't, don't be a mean demon worshiper. Be a nice one. G- g- give a good name to demon worshipers for us, okay? Exactly. Um beyond that, by the way, when we first started this, we were having a lot of tech problems, so I asked King Payment to bless it. <laughs> Um, so now I am asking King Payman again to bless this podcast and thanking him for letting us get through it. And, um, yeah, if you think that's weird, then remember that when you grew up, people made you say grace before eating. Okay. Get off my ass. Anyway, um, beyond that, everybody have a beautiful night. Bye. Bye. Bye.